What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Surf and Sales podcast. I am one of your two hosts, Scott Lease, founder of Scott Lease Consulting, co-founder of Surf and Sales, and co-founder of GTM United. Here with my good friend, Richard Harris. How's it going, Richard? It's going well, my man. How are you? It's been a minute. I'm hanging in there. Richard runs uh, Richard Harris Consulting. That's actually called the Harris Group. Oh my God. The Harris Consulting Group. The Harris Consulting Group. The Harris Consulting Group. You're going to be in for a treat today, everybody, because uh, Richard and I are grouchy as hell. Yes. Each other. We basically just spent the sort of three minutes pre-show yelling at each other in front of our guest, who just so happens to be a 16-year sales veteran, a resident of Arizona, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, lover of all things sales, hater of lots of sales technology, and now solopreneur founder, Mr. Tom Slocum. Welcome to the Surf and Sales Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, gentlemen. I'm sure you are because now it's just going to be nothing but pure entertainment because Scott messed that up and we were supposed to do our ad roll first, Scott. We were supposed to do- What do you mean? I was letting letting Tom say hello and then have him do that. You were going to do the thing. This might be one of our most- bickering episodes ever you should just keep recording and just do it right now that's what i'm doing dude it'll be fine all right so we we are uh brought to you this year all of 2023 by the hubspot podcast network we appreciate what they're doing they've introduced us some very cool people in the podcasting world um and they're teaching us a little bit about what they do want to take a minute and talk about our good friend um scott clary Um, who also has a podcast over there on the HubSpot podcast network called Success Story. And it's a Q&A session with successful business leaders and keynote presentations. But let me get past that stuff and talk about why I think Scott is going to love this dude's podcast. Um, So one of the episodes is specifically called, um, oh, yeah, Building a Seven-Figure Side Hustle. Love that. And a number one podcast. So Scott, we might have to a have them on because I think we should figure that out. But a seven-figure side hustle, which Scott talks about all the time. Uh, so we appreciate Scott and his guest over there, which is, and I hope I pronounced this right, Hala Taha, H A L A T A H A. If I mispronounce that, someone please connect with me and let me know. Uh, and then there's a second one. So we have to. There's a quiz here for Scott. The second one. Uh, that he has is with a guy named uh, Reeve Collins and it's called liquidity and liquor, which are two of Scott's favorite things, this liquidity is events and liquor. So Scott, <laughs> if you, if you can only listen to one of these, are you going to listen to building a seven figure side hustle and a number one podcast, or are you going to listen to liquidity and liquor? And actually before you answer Tom, what do you think his answer is going to be? Liquor and liquidity for sure. That's where he's starting. <laughs> Yeah, Scott, I, I would agree with Tom. So let's see if Scott will be honest. Oh, I'm going to be honest. And you two both know me well. That, that, that would be where, <laughs> where I would start. It's a, you know, it's a better hook. It's a better yes. hook. Yes, it totally is. So anyway, so check out our friend uh, Scott Clary uh, with the Success Story podcast over on the HubSpot podcast network. So uh, anyway, so where do you want to kick this off with Tom, Scott? I'm going to turn it back to you. Well, let's uh, let's have Tom tell us a little bit more about uh, what he's up to right now and kind of give some context to the audience. Yeah. 
So as you mentioned, right, I'm now turned founder uh, after doing about 15 years in the outbound sales world. Uh, back in September of last year, I took the dive uh, and started my own top of funnel consulting agency called the SD Lab. So we're going into month eight now. Things are going really, really well. Um, you know, and I've just been helping orgs with their GTM strategy when it comes to the outbound sales funnel, right? Anything top of funnel, whether it's, you know, helping in their handoff process and their pre-qualification to setting up their outreach and how do they, you know, get replies? How do they get connects on the phone? Um, so it's been a lot of fun uh, just getting under the hood with these orgs on top of mentoring and coaching, you know, the SDRs themselves one-to-one or in those team coaching environments. Uh, but it's been great. It's, it's, it, nobody prepares you for it. Uh, after 15 years in the game and doing all these orgs and kind of developing a playbook uh, over my life, it still didn't prepare me for the solo journey. As you know, Scott, right? I've been following you for, for a very long time. I started building my brand in October of 2020 and following you, right? Just learning about the side hustle, learning how to build these things, you know, getting into affiliates and all these different channels. And then I dove into your guys' uh, newest course, right? With Scott, this is, this is, Scott, this is why I don't even know if we should have Tom on here anymore. It's why we aren't closing any more business. Tom's taken all of our business this year. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the student becomes the match, the master, Richard. I, hey. I, I firmly agree. Tom, it's been nice talking to you. We'll see you next time. No. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of things that, that we could dive into here, and, and I want to try to get to all of them. Okay. Um, you started building your brand in October 2020. So for those of you keeping track at home, two and a half years ago, you had been selling for 13 years or so prior to that. Yep. How do you feel about um, the people who are building their brand now straight away prior to gathering the experience that you got? What a fun topic, right? Um, I've watched in the last two and a half years, the, the personal branding exploding, everybody talking about it. And I think there's different ways to, to build your brand. It doesn't have to be around your expertise as everybody thinks it has to be of telling people how you did it or do this and that when you have reps been three months in the role now posting on LinkedIn about how awesome they are at hitting quota in their first quarter. Cool, right? I was very fortunate. I, I went through 13 years of all kinds of orgs, SMB, mid-market, scaling teams, layoffs, fired, like I have a repertoire. Um, you know, my wife tells me I have a black belt in sales, right? Because I've just done so much. And it allowed me to build a very strong band out the gate because I did have the credentials, right? I had 13 years of it where you're seeing people just kind of jump in and just start throwing out content and, and they don't have anything to necessarily back it up. And but that's so, not what Scott's asking. Scott wants to know, are you fucking annoyed by these people? I, I mean, I am, I am, I, I am, and I am, and I, and I hate to see it because I get that they're in the, the, the bubble of, of social media. They're being told to build these brands, do all this stuff. And you have people taking risk that they shouldn't necessarily be taking just yet or doing things that they're just being, you know, overwhelmed by the, the, the market telling them to do these things. And so it's annoying because I, I wish I had LinkedIn early on in my career. I do. I was one of those who started in 09, just using it for jobs and connecting with my, my coworkers. But at the same time, I'm very grateful that I went 13 years of not even knowing what that was to then build a brand where 
I had some stuff of real value. Yeah, based based on achievements and experience and yeah, it wasn't five years. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. done the ten hour that ten thousand hours. I just got on another podcast last week, and the guy was shocked that I've done about five hundred thousand cold calls in in my career. Right when you I'm break down my numbers. That. Well, when you break down my numbers, right, I've only ever done outbound. I've only started, I started in 2007 at Discover Card and I started there and everything I've ever done is involved being on the phone, making phone calls out to, to people and strangers. And it's about 500,000 now. Um, and that's a lot of data. That's a lot of conversations. It's a lot of dials. It's a lot of opportunity to where, you know, I could talk well, about it for hours. You know, if only you'd been smart enough to record every call and then turning into an oh, AI God. tool. Right. 500,000 calls. Right. You could AI the heck out of that thing. So I I wish I could. And I hope AI so goes I wanna, there. I want to come back, though, because I, I can tell you'll go on, keep going if I don't reel you in, which is OK. Um, talking about the brand thing, though. So what advice do you give to the people who are starting their brand? Right. Like you, you, you definitely said, like, hey, they're putting stuff out there. They don't have enough experience. I agree, but I also think maybe that's part of the experience they need to have of not having enough experience to figure out the brand. So, you know, if you are to, talking to someone who, you know, they're just getting into it, what kind of what kind of advice would you give them about trying to build their brand now and they're earlier in their career? Earn your audience, your community, build it. Uh, it doesn't have to be about dropping insights and all this great knowledge, but level people up around you, share what you're learning as you're going through this role. It doesn't have to be that I'm booking amazing meetings and here's all these stats to do so, but it's, hey, here's how I'm booking these meetings on a month-to-month basis with these podcasts, these people I'm following, and then go engage with others. When I first started two and a half years ago and dove into creating content, I actually didn't create original content yet as original thoughts or tips and tricks. I actually was just nurturing and sharing things that were happening in my day-to-day. I was in a community at the time. There was events. There was things that were just impacting me that I shared with the community of like, check out this event coming up this Thursday, you know, or here, have you seen what these guys are doing? And that's where I started. I just started sharing little things, little tidbits that I was absorbing, the people I was hanging out with. And then about two months, three months in, I started okay, now I can sprinkle in my own thoughts. Now I might have a voice. Now I have something to maybe share and and give back to somebody. So for people listening, first part is try to surround yourself with other smart people and absorb. Yeah. Right. And And I agree with this, like just start listening and learning. And then after a certain amount of time, there's no specific timeline, you know, try to be additive. Right. And it's also okay to start sharing an opinion that's not yours by just saying, hey, you know, I heard this guy, Tom Slocum, mentioned this once before. So I really like that. So I'll pass it along in case anybody else wants it, uh, which I love this idea. What you're saying is share other people's thoughts, um, not to promote someone like Tom or Scott, but to get you comfortable with finding your voice, to get you comfortable. And even bigger than that is you're telling whatever community you're a part of that you just want to share good knowledge no matter where it comes from. Like, is that, is that what I'm hearing from you, Tom? hundred percent. You know, I believe in giving value before taking, right. And earning again, if you want the likes, you want the comments, the reason you guys get them is because you've earned that, right. You give to others every single day with free advice. You're uplifting those around you. You're building that community regardless. And so what happens is that when you start pouring that out to others, then you start creating that original content. Guess who's coming and engaging in it? Those people, 
right? Now they're getting to see you and they respect it. And now they're going to, you know, give that, uh, that content back to you. So that's how I look at it, right? Is, is you don't have to have an original thought to cre- create a personal brand. It's just what, what is brand, right? It's how you carry yourself. What are people saying behind you in closed doors when you're not in those rooms? The best way to do that is lift up and share content around there that's just inspiring you. You know, hey, I just saw Scott, like you said, Scott Lee just posted this great article here. It really got me thinking about these three things. What else would you say or add here? Or what, what do you think about these thoughts? It's a great way to start a couple of times a week sharing that kind of stuff. You listen to a podcast, summarize it. I was just on this podcast with Surf and Sales, listening to these three gentlemen, and what they shared were these three things that really resonated with me. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Have you heard this episode? Are you listening to this? Because if you're bringing like-minded people, they're on the same journey as you. So they're probably in the same role. They're in that same environment. They want to level up. And so they're going to enjoy, you know, whatever you're listening to or learning from because that's what they're they're going to learn from. I mean, yeah, I'm I gonna... did it with Scott for two years. I followed everything that guy, whatever room he was in, wherever he was dropping what content, right? I was I was absorbing and eating that up um, yeah. and then sharing it. Yeah, I want to repeat what you just said, and I'll give it back to Scott, um, which is, I love this line, which is, what people are saying in the room behind closed doors where you are not is what defines your brand. And I thought that's how I summed up what you said, and I thought that was a really cool way to to envision that. And um, and I think our, our good friend, Doug Landis, we'll mention him, says that you know your brand kind of finds you more than you mm-hmm. define your brand. Um, so I, I agree with all of this. So, okay, Scott, I'll shut up now. Well, you agree with all of it because you don't know what Tom and I said in closed doors when you were outside the room. That's yeah, what Scott, you know me well <laughs> enough. I, I don't give a shit what you said. <laughs> closed door. Tom, are you, are you a big goal setting guy? Love it. It's how I live my entire life. Yes. Okay. So I think you've been awfully gracious in saying like you paid attention to the things I was saying and, and, you know, part of the impetus for going on this journey was some of the stuff that you and I have, uh, you know, shared and whatnot. So inquiry minds want to know, like, how is it going? How is the implementation of all of this feedback going? I assume then you set a goal for year one, whatever that looks like. Maybe it was, I don't know, amount of number of clients, a number of revenue, uh, you know, follower growth, whatever it is. How is your attainment going? And and if it's off, are we going to see like a uh, Cloudflare-like explosive <laughs> article come out where you rip yourself uh, for your own performance? If I'm a sales leader and I need to recruit anybody, I'm going straight to sell to, to those guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was like, bad. That was bad. If you haven't heard about that, go look it up because I've never seen somebody so elegantly pitch how crappy their sales reps are, but in such a professional This was, this was better way. than the, the crying CEO. <laughs> I think so. I think yeah. so too. He had brought in two metaphors. Like it was, it was crazy. Um, but Scott, like I, I have learned to be like water more than anything. And yes, do I set goals and do I try to strive for them? And I reflect on them and I monitor them, but I also know shit happens. And I've been able to, over the last you know few years of my life, learn that and just not try to control everything, but but keep that North Star because it's kind of a silly quote or what people say, but shoot for the stars, land on the moon kind of approach, right? That if I set my goal at $500,000 in revenue in year one, but I fall short at 250, 
I'm still very happy because I set such a high goal that even if I fell short, it's still a hell of a year for me, right? Um, even though I didn't get there. Now I didn't set a $500,000 year goal, but I I am pacing. I am doing okay. Uh, I had a very great start in the first 90 days. I think people get so wrapped up when they launch a business that, you know, that first 90 to 120 days, everything looks great. People yeah. are hyped for you. Kind of like a honeymoon period a little bit. It is. Yeah. And I try to tell other founders like this or other com- people that are jumping into this world. I'm like, just breathe because you're going to think you're a badass and you're going to think you're great and shit's going to go. And then you're going to get popped in the mouth real yeah. freaking hard. And you got to know what to do next. And that was pivotal for me. And that happened around day one, like 90 ish, 120. Right. I, I popped off. People were hyped. I got some inbound. I had, again, already had an established brand for about two years now. So it was pivotal. It was a good time. Um, but after that, it kind of stalled out, right? Because then you start getting into executables, right? You start closing your clients. Now, all of that first 90 days was purely just focusing on landing some deals. Well, now you got some, now you got to start running that stuff as a solo person that the outbound slows down, the inbound isn't as high. And so how do you adjust? How do you pivot? Um, and how do you analyze what's happening? And so, yes, I set my goals. I am pacing, um, at this year. So, Technically, my one year is from September to September, ideally. We're eight months in, um, yeah. and we are like 60000 short of what I set for my first year of close revenue. Um, so it's not been bad. I set a goal of two fifty because I was- Not bad at all. You're only sixty grand away, and you got till September? Yeah. 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 How, do you, how do you think about- I'm very interested in this, actually. Yeah. How do you think about- margins in your business as a running a consulting business a consultant and whatnot um i've been thinking about this a lot lately because i don't try not to name names and nor tell <laughs> stories without giving it away too much but like there's a few people that i've seen recently starting to talk about i made 100 grand this month i made all this that month but then there's a few other people who write that and then share what their expenses are. And they're mm-hmm. like, you know, I made a hundred grand last month, but uh, you know, I only had 18% margin. So like I only kept 18 grand, so, but there's a balance, right? Because Richard is somebody who has less of a problem spending money on like tools and things to help him out. Right to give him back time in his day. My buddy, Justin talks about this all the time. Right. right? And I like refuse and suck at that. Like, I don't want to spend any money. So what (laughs) happens is, you know, I do a lot of work myself, maybe more than I should, but my margins are like massive. So how do you think about that? The Uh, margin component of running this type of, of business because revenue who cares if you like it's, you're spending it all right it doesn't really matter if you actually look at like last year you know what i closed by the end of the year and what i actually profited it wasn't much to begin with because i had to invest in my business i had to build things i had to invest in a crm tech stack to get things operational um i just had this conversation with my 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 brother actually he runs the construction business in california made nine hundred thousand dollars in revenue last year you know what his profit margin was 50 grand, 50 grand, 50 grand is what he he brought home when he paid 900,000. And guess what his biggest component was payroll. 
He overstim overdid it to grow his company, and the the payroll got away from him that his employees made more than he did in the year than the yeah. actual owner of the company, right? And so you have to be very careful. Revenue is a stupid, like, cool, you close revenue. But like, yeah, what is it that you actually net after that? Because I know some folks who are pouring all of their money back into their business. And yeah, they'll make 100K, but they actually made like 5K because yeah. they poured everything to get the so, next, you know. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in because um, I, I have a question for Scott and then I'm going to go into the to our-, our How do I but, feel about the fact that Tom also uses a CRM and I don't? No, 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 oh. no. So, you know- I, I'd be curious from a percentage perspective. I wonder if my margins actually, Scott, are higher than yours Ooh. because, because are we doing math right now, Richard? Is that what we're about to do? Maybe Ooh. we'll have our, we'll have our kids do the algebra problem for us. We'll get Braden and, and Riley and Caleb and Bodie on it. Hey. Um, I know, I know my margin. Do you know your margin? Hold on a second. Because you have a full-time employee. Yeah. So your margins It'd be curious to know like what the difference is, right? Um, yeah. The answer to that question is no, I don't know because I don't track that stuff, Scott. <laughs> I do. It's a good thing to- I track it. I obsess over it. It's hilarious. This is the irony of it all. Scott tracks it down to the penny. Yeah. I don't track it at all. And I spend way more on tools and stuff to be more efficient so I don't have to track it all. While Scott won't spend any because he's got a big old pretty Excel sheet with, you know, yeah. lots of colors and stuff. So, you know, this yeah, would be we, a make, fun, we make no sense either of us. This would be a fun poster scenario, right? A, a scenario, you know, a scenario A, scenario B, they both make a million dollars. Here's what each did. Which one would you pick to back, yeah. you know, moving forward, well, right? The, the good, the, the where Scott wins is, the, is that he makes the million dollars. So he knows of that. Course. Know that. Of course. I don't. I don't grind as hard as Scott does. Uh, I I will pay money. I I to answer your question, Scott. I have like twenty tools in my tech stack. I'm not going to lie, right? But they what's all your, work. What's your what's your sales stack like? Or like cost? Oh I, god, this part I know. Uh, I'm at like four hundred and fifty bucks a month for my tech uh, that runs everything for the SD Lab. It's about four fifty a month. Now I don't pay annually. I don't go drop tons like that. I am paying the monthlies because sometimes yeah. I do move things in and out of the tech accordingly. Yeah, but is that, I, I is that more or less than you, Richard? So he's spending just under six grand a year. I'm a little bit more than that, but I also have some bigger tools like, um, right, like Instapage and some sort of stuff yeah. that's you know that I don't know that you have those time. If you make, yeah, I've got. Part. I've got HubSpot. Shout out to them, right? I, I do use their CRM. I absolutely love it. Um, I've got Type Dream, which did my website, built my website. I've got Sanjaya for like testimonial collection. Um, I've got Outplay as my engagement platform. You know, the, let me caveat this too. And, and this is a good angle to go one day. It's like, I'm an advisor to companies. I do work with companies. And because of my role in talking with clients, I get some of the tech on a little bit cheaper rate or set up for me because I'm able to share it with my clients and recommend yep. and do certain things. So do understand if you total everything up, it's a little yep. different because, you know, so, Outplay gives me that. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I get it. I have a question for you because we're going to go into our HubSpot pitch. What do you, but let's ask you, why'd you choose HubSpot? What'd you like about it? You've been around. I'm sure you've seen them all. Yeah, I've seen them all. Um, I'm actually working with a client now on close.com, right? Close CRM. Um, I lived on Salesforce my whole life from 2007 so why, so why to, HubSpot? because HubSpot? it's my ecosystem. It's where my customers and my clients live. I had to. Um, one, Salesforce is way too expensive for a solo person to operate. It is very complex. 
I told this analogy to somebody the other day. I think of Salesforce as Android, and I think of HubSpot as Apple. And the reason I say that is because Salesforce is so complex, like an Android, you can customize, you get sandbox, you can create all this stuff that can get very noisy. But then you have HubSpot where it's very simplified. It's very out of box ready. You know, there's not too much to it. It's very, you know, everybody's running kind of the same instances. Um, and so it's like the Apple of the world um, and it's easy to use. So that's where I use it. Cool. Well, this this is this is perfect. I think HubSpot's going to really love this episode. Um because of this hearing from a customer, which um, Scott needs to buy it and get on it. I'll set it he up. He does. He, you know, they would look. Let's work HubSpot together. Would Scott, I will deploy a CRM for you. That's that? the problem. 45 right days. There. I will take the work for you and I will get you a full Scott Lee's consulting CRM. We can do it. Cool. So um, <laughs> this is what I, I do want to, you know, put out there about HubSpot for supporting us. Thank you. And and that was not planned. I didn't know you had them as your CRM, Tom. So yes. thank you. Um, you know, a lot of the companies are under pressure and a lot of people need more leads. They need faster sales and they need better insights. Uh, they don't have time to waste on long, complex implementations or money to waste on software that no one's ever going to use, Scott Lease. Right? So this is this is, this is is right up your alley. So they want a CRM, but not any CRM. They want one that is easy to set up, customized the way your company does the business, not the way they the CRM thinks your company should do business. So that CRM exists and it's called HubSpot. A couple of things you should know, uh, they're easy for everyone to use, you can do more with less. They actually have a new AI tool um, and content assistant, which means you can spend more time actually working and uh, trying to engage with your customers in a meaningful way and reduce those uh, those manual tasks. They've got a lot of drag and drop uh, to get your emails and landing pages right. So they've really tried to simplify this and we really, really appreciate it. So, um, you know, you can get started for free. That's the key. Get started for free at HubSpot.com. Scott, that was the part I had to read out specifically, word for word, verbatim. You did great. Get started, get started for free at HubSpot.com. You did great. You're, you're a natural at this kind of at this yeah. kind of thing. Well, you know me, I'm like ready to bring in helium and do all these things in like, you know, Alfred the chipmunk voice. You could, I mean, it, you would be reading it the right way. The sound of your voice when you read it is not contractually stipulated. Uh, Tom. <laughs> but I would, I would like to keep the contract, Scott. I don't want them to lose. <laughs> Tom, let's talk, let's talk some tactics a little bit. Okay. okay. 500,000 phone calls. I know that your uh, pitch has changed and evolved God knows how many times over the years. You're cold calling somebody right now. Talk to us about your approach. What is the intro? What is like your kind of methodology? Tell us about the Slocum way. Ooh, that's a good one, right? Uh, the Slocum way. So I, I'm not big on scripts. I'm more on formulas for people, right? And so I, I try to focus on, on five elements to my cold calls. Um, one having that friendly intro, two, why me, three, peak curiosity, four, put them at ease, and five, present my give or my ask. So that's how I coach folks, SDRs, teams to look at how they're approaching their cold call to, to stick to those five buckets and however they're going to build out their, their flow and their kind of script guide, right? So What's that friendly intro? It's all about that tone and delivery in that first five seconds. What are you saying there? I'm not big on permission-based openers, so don't ask. Uh, it's not my jam. I think them picking up the phone is already them giving you permission. 
but how do you, you know, create laughter, be smooth and slick on the phone to where they, they want to keep talking to you and then get right into why me, why the hell are you picking up the phone? And this is where a lot of people miss it because they don't know. They're just calling a list. They're just calling a contact and they don't really know. And, so and that's where. I want to slow you down because I agree with you. Five seconds. You said the first five seconds. What's the first five seconds sound like in the Slocum way, which Scott just trademarked, by the way. So you can, you can buy it from him. Yeah, it's done. He can buy it off me after the show. Hey, Scott, it's Tom Slocum over at the SD lab. How have you been? Hanging in there. Awesome, man. Hey, the reason for my call, I'll keep this very brief, is I seen recently on the Serpent Sales podcast, you guys were talking about buzzwords and diving into some various elements here, XYZ. Curious, why why is it that that is a struggle for you currently uh, in your operation, right? And so within that, go ahead. I was going to pause you real quick. Nah, it's like very, very similar to what I would do. Yeah. I love the, the other piece I love too is like, and maybe it's ingrained in you now is that that was a very slow pace of a cold yes. call. And I think that we carry so much anxiety or pressure or we've got to, you know, we got to click all the buttons and do all the mouse and, you know, and, and hit the 50 calls and stuff. How do you encourage someone? One, I love what you're doing on the five second thing, just for people listening, you know, how do you, how do you encourage someone to slow down? at the beginning of that call other than to tell them to slow down or is that, is that all it is? No, it's just taking a few breaths. It's people. Like I don't understand why people get so scared to pick up the phone and just call somebody who cares. They hang up, they get pissed off, move on. Right. It, it's coming from an abundance mindset. But I think if you're trying, if you're approaching your calls with this anxiety and you're so worked up, Go play it out a little bit differently. Go practice some more because that's where you're concerned. You're stressed out, your anxiety, because you don't have a plan. You don't have a guide to the call. You're just freaking out. And if that person gets on the phone, it's so embedded in you that, oh my God, I got 10 seconds. Oh my God, I got this. I got to get this all out and word vomit. Breathe, have a conversation. Hey, Scott, it's Tom over at the SD lab. How have you been? I'm doing good, man. Hey, cool. The reason I was calling, I'll keep it super brief with you. I was seeing this, right? And just breathe in the call. Um, and that'll allow your prospect to return that same tonality back because you saw Scott just kind of defuse and be like, hey, yeah, I'm doing really well. You know, and they they slow down the call um, because you've got somebody, enjoy it. You want to milk that connect for whatever it's worth, right? You just probably made 45 dials to just get that per- first pickup or a hundred dials if you have a terrible data, right? To just get that pickup, what are you gonna do? Burn through it like that and now have to go through another hundred to get to the next one? It's not fun. Um, just breathe. It's a conversation, go practice, go role play with some folks to where you can practice and be crisp on the way that you're opening up those calls and, and breathing. Um, something that stuck with me recently is, you know, it doesn't matter if you have 10 seconds or three minutes, right? Value is value. You know, people will go watch a three hour movie. They'll watch a 10 minute TikTok now, right? But everybody says, nobody has time. Everybody's on the rush. No, they're not. If you bring value and bring a worthy conversation and that's where that, hey, the reason for my call is being very specific to categorize one, you know, I'm Tom with the SD lab. Two, you know, the reason for my call. And three, you know what I'm asking you and why I'm calling, right? And I'm going to open with that open-ended question to get you talking because my key thing there is, Maybe you're using a dialer. Maybe you're reaching out. That connect happens so fast that it throws you off. That's why I open with that opener. 
because I opened with an open-ended question to get Scott to start talking for a second. So I can pull my LinkedIn up. I can pull that CRM record and I can start kind of getting my basis for where I'm going to go. But why he's answering that question, I'm actively listening to him and I'm pulling up his profile. And now I can take the conversation where I need to go. But I bought myself that second and got him speaking. Well, I just asked chat GPT if a 10 minute TikTok of value exists. Yeah. And chat GPT basically said no. Well, <laughs> it uh, is prior to 2021. So chat GPT. <laughs> <laughs> Good, Good answer, Tom. Good answer. Paris Hilton tested this and actually did this with TikTok to release the feature. And they did a full 10, 10 minute video oh my God. to force people to watch it and Amazing. get people. So it's, it's coming. There you have it. By the way, the Slocum Way is available for uh, 1999. dollars uh, com. Yeah. <laughs> no, I went, uh, I went to GoDaddy. The first year is only one penny. The next four ooh. years are $19.99 a year. So uh, that's, a, that's a rising stock. Hey, you better, you better stay yeah, I better go get that. Oh, shoot. Uh, one more question for you, Tom. And then and then we'll pivot towards the, uh, the end of the show <laughs> and, and we'll let you ask us a question. So. So that's that's the approach on a on the phone right now. What's your approach on email right now or on DMs and on LinkedIn? What, what what's your strategy and, and thought process there? I do it way different than everybody else. Everybody I, love, else I can't it. wait to hear. I, everybody uses it to sell social selling, email, all this stuff. You have reps not picking up the phone, booking meetings via email, but I I use my DMs and my email to purely be about value and discussion. And I use the, the phone to book those meetings. So in my emails, my, my closes, my call to actions are not asking for 30 minutes. They're not asking for a meeting. They're asking open-ended questions. Hey, Richard, saw your podcast, Surf and Sales, thought this article would align with some of the topics you talked about, such as ChatGPT, buzzwords, XYZ. Is this a priority for you right now? That's my email. Right. And I'm dropping value. I'm trying to solidify my credibility. I'm using case studies. I'm using quotes and testimonials. I'm finding articles that involve the space. Hey, SDR leader, you know, I saw your recent post that your team was, you know, struggling in cold calling. Here's an article that my friend Scott put together. And if you look at tip, tip two, yeah. some other leaders are incorporating this and finding success. Okay. So now let's say, let's say you're, you've created this approach. How, uh, what is the right volume for you to feel like, okay, I've tested this and I can, you know, make this assessment now. This is working. I'll stick with it. Or, uh oh, this is not working. I got to pivot. Are we talking 10 emails, 100, 1,000? I look at what 250. What is the right volume for you personally? 250. I say 250 as my benchmark. Um, I'll, I'll run it through to about 250 folks contacts before I kind of, and that's like 50 people a day, you know, yeah. I'm trying to reach out to, um, and I'll look at it from there. And if that 250, rates, and that 250 you're hoping nets you how many responses, positive responses? At least 5% plus. That's my bench. If it's under 5%, I need to tweak something. The data's yeah. wrong. Um, I'm getting bounce backs or something off okay. there. Uh, but if it's five to ten, we're we're doing good. Yeah, okay. um, I'm going to I'm going to create my own little trial, Richard. Okay, and over the next few days, I'm gonna uh, send my messages that I send, and I'm gonna see if I can equal the five percent of the Slocum way. 
and I will report back to the both of you. I don't, I'm not, I have, by, by the way, I don't know if I can equal it or beat it. I don't know. If you 5%, can do 5% sounds pretty good. I don't know if you can do 250 email messages. Well, there's also that there's also, it might take me a year, but right. I will report back. Yeah. Tom, you've been a great, a great guest, man. I, we appreciate you putting up with uh, me and Rich's <laughs> shenanigans and uh, bizarre style of how we run a podcast. How can we be helpful to you, man? Any questions for us? Um, man, that's a good one. I didn't come prepared. This is what you shouldn't do in interviews. When they ask you to bring questions, make sure you have them. Um, well, to be fair, we didn't ask you to bring questions I know. before you came. Um, how would you, Scott, you've helped people build businesses. You've encouraged people to do side hustles. And, and your question to me on how you sample, if I see success, what would you say to somebody that as they're building their business in the first year, how to know if they should keep going or bail out? Not that it applies to me. I'm just saying like, yeah. what is that? that Because I see some people building businesses right now. I see everybody diving in. And I don't see a lot of them going very far, like long term. And and yeah. some of them are holding up. You know, you, you're prideful. You want to hold on to your business. You want to make it work. What's that ejection button for you? What is that 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 checklist or or thought process to say maybe this wasn't it or you know what this is it? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Really good I, question. I think if we're all being honest with ourselves, we probably all ask ourselves that question from time to time. Uh, especially when you, you know, feel like you got punched in the mouth, right? <laughs> Some deal you thought was going to close, doesn't close or something like that. Um, as you're asking, I was thinking to myself, take my earnings, net <clears throat> earnings, <laughs> and is that the same as what I would make in a W-2 kind of role out there on the market. So to use random numbers, if I make a hundred grand running my own business, is that more or less or the same as I would make in this W-2 business, okay? If it's less, then I have to think about, okay, but how hard am I working? Because if I'm earning a little bit less or a lot of bit less, but I'm working 50% as much, then maybe I'm okay with that. If I'm working as hard or harder on my own business and earning less or equal, that might be a bit of a red flag to me. <clears throat> if I'm used to making 250 grand as a strategic AE and I made 100K this year on my own, that's not very appetizing for me personally. Now, some people have a longer, you know, They'll fight a little longer and keep, I, I wouldn't, that, that would feel like a, a failure to me. I'd probably hit the eject button and go back but maybe this try is, again down the line. But, but I do know, I do know, Scott, that is what you were doing your first year. Like I remember you were, you know, you'd built up your side hustle along. Well, that's, that's different. I'm, that's fair. I'm assuming Tom's talking about somebody who went all in. Mm -hmm. on building their own business, not somebody who's running a W-2 and their own business. No. Yeah. The, if you're doing a side hustle thing, there, there's no metric there, right? Like you're, you, there is no guard there. You can make 2K a month. You can make 5K. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But you have your insurance there. Uh, yeah. So, 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 you know, I, I've had this thought before, you know, 
it's when I went all in finally, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this a year and I expect to do significantly better than I would do as a VP of sales mm-hmm. while having a little bit better quality of life, working a little bit less, frankly. And if those things don't end up being true, then I'm going to have to consider, you know, my options. So that's kind of how I think about it. I'm curious Richard's take. I think it comes down to a couple of things that's, I agree with everything Scott said. My version of what Scott said is one, I think it comes down to money and their security, right? It's very different if I'm a solopreneur and I'm single than if I'm a solopreneur and I've got family like Scott and I do. Um, I fell into the role. I didn't choose it like Scott did in in that context. Um, I didn't have anything on the side. Um, And it just sort of, you know, it didn't, it happened for me very serendipitously. And so that's where my experience is. But I think when I talk to other people, you know, the things that they have to, you know, it, how do they handle stress and anxiety? How do they handle the not knowing where the next deal's coming from? How do they handle the expenses of, of just even health insurance? Cause that's so expensive, right? Like those are the things that in the first year I see people bailing out. Um, and I, the, the advice I give people is a couple of people. One is, um, you know, you didn't fail. You tried something. And I bet if you go get another job and in a year and a half or two years, you'll know how to do this even better and you'll triple or quadruple what you did. Um, the other thing I, you know, it took me a long time. I don't know, Scott, how long it took you or, or even you, Tom. Um, it took me about two years to realize the business is just going to find me. Like I never had to do a lot of heavy outbound. I never had to do any of that. Um, and, and so it took a while for my wife and I to kind of go, all right, well, something will come along. It always does. And we got very comfortable with that. That's a very hard place for people to get to. Um, you know, and like it's 2023 right now, it's a little bit slower than normal. And I, you know, I definitely have my concerns. I don't think I'm ready to go back to a W2. Um, I might ask Scott to hire me, but I, I don't know if he'll afford me. But um, but anyway, so those are the things is like recognizing your fear, recognizing your, what's your risk tolerance? I think that's the big piece. People finally realize what their risk tolerance is when it's all on them. And um, their ability to work through that level of risk tolerance is the thing I think they figure out a lot in the first year. Yeah, I would say where I am eight months ago to today, or even a couple of years ago, I have, I'm pretty proud of myself. I've kind of learned my new limits. I felt that I broke through a couple of new ceilings to realize like how much I can actually take on and how, you know, get through. Um, but I love those answers. That's, that's kind of how I look at it. Right. Scott, I look at it as, can you make what you would have made? Right. Like I was all in so Richard. I was like, you had to have a choice. I was just walked away from VP of sales. Didn't have side hustles over the time. Really. I was just kind of doing some stuff and it just ended up kind of, this is the route I was going to go. So eight months later, here I am kind of flying by the, you know, pants of my ass right here, trying to get it all in order. Right. Um, and it just happened. Um, and luckily Will you enough, ever go back, Tom. I, I refuse. I don't have a plan B. Um, I'm just that person, right? I set a goal. I have a path. I'm going to give it its fair time to assess really, truly, you know, obviously there's bumps and bruises. I've changed my product. I've changed my pitch. I've had to cater things over the last eight months, but I keep winning, even though I keep pivoting, I keep finding my successes. So I'm okay. Um, but I don't have a plan B. I refuse. It will take a lot for me to 
have to pull that eject button and say, I, I got to go back. Good for you, man. If you can be winning right now, then you're in good shape because very it's not, good a, shape. not an easy time to be, uh, to be winning. So. It, I love that, by not... the way. We, ju- we just came up with your whole new thing. It's the Slocum way. No plan be allowed. There it is. There it is. I like that. So, all right, man, this has been great. We appreciate you coming on. Um, Good to catch up with you. It's been a while. Uh, We hope to see you in Costa Rica in November. Now that you're a solopreneur, you can, um, you know, go do that. So folks, by all means, we've got uh, sessions coming up in Costa Rica. Go to surfandsales.com to put down your deposit. Um, (laughs) Because who wouldn't want to come and spend four days with Scott and Richard listening to us? banter back and forth like a married <laughs> shockingly a lot of people do want to do that that's shockingly pretty yes, impressive it is shocking though so, uh and big thanks to hubspot for supporting us we appreciate them putting us on the network and certainly by all means go go check out our friend um scott clary and his podcast success story so thank you again and we'll see you next time